Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Filmiac Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. JR. And uh, today we're here to talk about JR's pick, Time of the Wolf, directed by Michael Haneke. Hanek? I don't know. Hanek? I don't know how you say it. No, we'll accept any. No. Alright. <laughs> it was one of those, uh, just like when we did. Uh, Ohazar Balthazar or whatever, you know, oh, yeah, so it's yeah. just weird things to pronounce, I don't know how to pronounce these words, but uh, anyways, we're going to talk that movie as well as other stuff we watched, and uh, yeah, how's everybody doing? Now that we finally, we had a massive technical difficulty just now for the last hour and a half that turned out to be our fault on this end, not on JR's end as we thought mm. it was, and uh, well, you know, we're just, we're over here eating crow, you know, yeah. feel bad about it. But I just ordered two new cables, and they'll be in on Wednesdays. So. I didn't have to do that. I was going to order them. It's best to have more. <laughs> all right. Have them and not need them, you know, all that good stuff. Jer, how you doing? I'm great. The whole time that we've been fighting through this, I've had uh, my left foot and a giant bowl of Epsom salt and water. Hmm. Because I dropped a laptop on my toe, and my toe is coming off, and it's infected. Your toe is coming off? My toenail. <laughs> oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna go and have them cut that out. I am. I'm going to the doctor. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow for the first time in almost a decade. Jesus wow. Christ! Let's start talking some movies, okay? All right. Let's get going. Who's got the most? Uh, Got to be Jr. Right? Maybe. Technically, probably. You want to start? Yeah. Sure thing. It's, it's weird. It's like. I barely watched anything for me over a <laughs> you know three week period, but that's still mm. like nine things. Yeah, you so still beat I'm us. I'm not gonna talk about all that. But, uh, <laughs> let's uh, I'll divide them up by uh, streaming service. I'll do a couple <laughs> of uh, things I watched on Netflix first. I uh, I saw Dick Johnson is dead. I watched the, that uh, acclaimed Kristen Johnson documentary. Yeah. That um, you know she she made because her. Her dad is sick and will die, you know, in the coming years. And so she proposed this idea where she would invent scenarios of, uh, of his death and they would film them together. And it was, uh, you know, it's, it's very emotional and it's charming and it's cute. And um, you know, if you're the kind of person that cries from father-daughter things, you might, you might even cry at the end. Um, and yeah, that's that's it. You know, I I often don't watch or I often don't love documentaries because I, you know, you can just like see the editing and you can see like the information they chose to leave out and uh this is a documentary that can't fall into that kind of trap because it's just like a subjective document of you know how much these two people will care for each other. Hmm. Uh and they're doing it in you know, a, a formally interesting way. So I had uh that was uh that was pretty cool. I had I had issues with it, uh especially the ending. I like I the ending made me cry. Okay, obviously. You're made of stone if the ending doesn't make you cry. Uh, but which are you talking about uh her in the closet or are you talking no, about No, uh, I am definitely not talking about her in the closet. Her in the closet is one of my big issues with the movie. But uh <laughs> okay. no, the the scene when his friend is giving the eulogy at the end. 
Yeah, that was like I lost it. Like that was, but that that's also my. In, therein lies my other ma- major issue with it, which is when he's giving the eulogy. I don't know why I assume this, but I but I mean I know why because the movie paints it this way. I assume that he had passed on at that point, and we were seeing the actual service. So then I'm so then I'm conflicted because I'm like, what, is she seriously filming her own dad's funeral right now and she like <laughs> releasing it as part of her movie? Like that's insane. And then I was like, she can't be doing that. But uh, but then but, but, but I'm like, at the same time, it's very emotional. So I'm like affected by it, you know. And then when it turns out that she isn't doing that, that it's uh, uh, you know, essentially it's a flashback to the beginning of the film when when he was they were creating his funeral while he was still alive and all that stuff. I don't know if something about that just really rubbed me the wrong way. Like I felt manipulated. I felt like I was, you know, like I'm crying about something that I shouldn't be crying about because nothing's actually happened. Like I'm crying about some, like I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I guess I, I just, uh, because she doesn't mention that it's a fake funeral, of course, but she is filming it. Um, there are multiple cameras clearly at this service. And I was like, I just assumed this was part of, you know, right. I'm going to call it the ruse. It's not a ruse really, but you know what? Yeah. Whatever the part of what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, what like sticks with that scene for me is like, even after it's over and, you know, and Dick like comes through his own. The forgiving is still in the like even though this eulogy was fake he's like he knows it's a eulogy he's gonna give you know somewhat soon mm-hmm. um and that was still really moving yeah i mean his his uh, reaction the friend's reaction was what was moving about it for sure yeah so i you know what your 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 issues are valid though i hated i so i hated seeing her recording the over the the whatever it is the narration in the closet like i couldn't every time i cut to that I was like, you got, you got, you got to get this out of here. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just making me dislike her as a person, and I, and I, I don't even know why, because she's not doing anything wrong. It's just like yeah. that decision to leave that in there. Just it feels like self gratifying in some way. Like she's like self important. I don't know. It just really bummed me out. I was not into that at all. Did you see a person? Huh? Her? Did you see her last documentary, Camera Person? Yeah, I actually watched it right before I watched this, uh, and I liked camera person a lot more uh i mean i don't think there's only like a half star difference on my letterbox but i did like it a lot more i found it uh i mean you know it has moments that like there is the scene in camera person where that woman in that african hospital is trying to save that baby like i was like i don't like that's something i don't ever want to like i i can never watch the movie again like i don't want to see that you know what i mean like i don't want to see this shit and then like it's like has like a half happy ending and like I'm just not into I'm I like I that that when that scene happened I was like I this is rough to sit through and I don't I don't have those kinds of reactions with movies usually I'm pretty like thick skinned about movies like I have like a huge callus like nothing bothers me but seeing you know actual children being like struggling to breathe and shit like I can't I can't deal with that that's rough yeah no thanks. <laughs> It's really rough, but I mean, you know, the rest of it, I thought, you know, I liked, I love the, the idea of her going back to that, uh, that village in whatever country that was that where she visited that family like 10 or 15 years later when she I was, I do not remember what country that was Yeah, I mean, at all. It was like 
Bulgaria or some shit. I don't know. But yeah, it was, uh, I liked all that stuff and, uh, them watching the clips of themselves earlier. That was cool. I, yeah, I dug camera person. I mean, I'll watch, you know, I didn't dislike Dick Johnson as dead. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as the masterpiece that everybody else was hailing it as. Oh, and, and I don't either. Right. I just, I think it's emotionally effective. Sure. Sure. Um, so something that I did not think was emotionally effective. My other Netflix watch was, uh, trial of the Chicago seven. Mm. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Did you guys watch this? Yet? I almost, I almost did. Cause they reviewed it on film junk and I was going to watch it, but I just never, I never could find the time to watch it. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, this is Sorkin tackling the infamous trial in the wake of the, 1968 Democratic Convention, and uh, he tackles it in ways that make me roll my eyes mm. pretty frequently. Uh, and that's, you know, I there is plenty of stuff in this movie that is like entertaining Sorkin. Um, the way that some things are edited together is clever, and um, it is certainly a a watchable movie full of a bunch of pretty interesting dialogue um but he also like compresses time in a way that just totally ruins the pacing of the trial he holds early information for late movie reveals just to create drama which it just he doesn't need to do that with this material um he gives characters some great lines that go nowhere it's like (laughs) like that that scene in the trailer where uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Ab- Abby Hoffman says, I've never been on trial for my thoughts before. Like, he just cuts to black right after that. Yeah. Just, like, cutting the scene. Like, we don't... Uh, we don't know... I don't know why he does that. Seems like that could have been a back and forth. Um, well, they say that... Uh, I, I was... I mean, just speaking of... The review on Film Junk was that... They, they were talking about that scene, too, and they had the exact same issue. They were like, well, I don't understand why it just goes nowhere because it's, like, such a good line and everything. And they were saying, but they were saying that you know uh, that that's like a apparently that's something you know it's something he actually said, and that uh, I guess you know f- what's following it in the actual trial isn't maybe isn't terribly interesting or something. And he I guess he this is the problem I have with courtroom dramas that are based on actual court oh. shit is that they they have the transcripts of the courtroom and the screenwriter more often than not will just use the fucking mm. courtroom transcript when it's you know what I mean like instead of just writing the scene they'll you know they'll assume real life is better than anything and it's just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> nah no but sorkin's sorkin's fictionalizing a bunch of shit anyway right so I, why, yeah exactly exactly why holds the truth but i feel like uh, that's it's, exactly it's like it's like you could fictionalize everything else around it but then they're like well i mean look what hoffman said here like he actually said that how good is that we'll just use what they actually said in the courtroom it's it's brilliant and it's just like it it might be brilliant in, in small doses but then you know if you can't look at it as a whole then as like being exceptional and entertaining then why not improve it you know it's like you're making a movie it's sasha baron cohen isn't Abby hoffman you're not making a documentary so make him say different things there's no problem with that you can do whatever you want it's a movie People are so would fucking paranoid. Mm. I don't know. Uh, there's, yeah, and if we're gonna make everything real, like, why are we also making the prosecuting lawyer played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt like sympathetic, in a like weirdly sympathetic, uh, in a way that that guy was not at all. Oh, it's uh strange, but I don't know. Uh, that said, it's there are still entertaining elements. And, 
and uh, I I understand that my ongoing dislike of Eddie Redmayne is is a me thing. <laughs> uh, Not just you. Coming an issue like, uh, what's my deal with headed actors? Uh, like British <laughs> Donald Gleason and why do I hate Redmayne? Why do I hate Donald Gleason? Yeah, I, Don, I'm gonna keep putting that M in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just do. I just uh, I can't stand them. Maybe I wish I had red hair. I don't. I don't know. What about Danny Bonaducci? Um, How do you feel about him? And yeah, if uh, no one in this movie, I, I don't think anyone like deserves Oscar recognition, which this movie clearly hopes to to get. Um, yeah, just the for- best performance is probably Yaya Abdul Mateen, who plays Bobby Seal, but that's. Uh, that's it. I heard good things about his performance. Mm. It is good, I, but the movie doesn't know how to handle his character. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's a good performance that is hampered by a, a Sorkin issue. I'll call it. Bummer. Yeah. So uh, that's that's all for my Netflix. <laughs> all right, Kevin. So I'll start with a bang. Something I haven't done in a long time on this podcast. All actually. right. Uh, so, so I finally got around to watching, uh, Memories, the, uh, anthology film by, uh, uh Otomo. Le- yeah, like, le- led by Otomo, the guy who did Akira, and, like, a couple of other big name, uh, directors, like, Satoshi Kon, uh, did, like, one of the, one of the screenplays, and, like, somebody else, somebody else directed it, but this this was a fucking blast. Mm. I loved every second of this of this thing. Um like like it's three three stories um all about 45 minutes, half an hour. Uh Otomo's one I think is actually the shortest one, but and like it actually like is dramatically different from the first two because the the animation is ver is just extremely different like pretty much not anime at all like it reminded me a lot of um triplets of belleville um but like <laughs> all of it is so good and it's like like there's there's so it's like there's so many like dark moments and there's so many like funny moments especially in the sec in the second uh, one and so what make what makes this one even more different in relation to the podcast? This was a five out of five, easy. It was so damn good. Yeah, I, I want to watch this. I admit to it's another one I was trying to get to before this episode because I knew oh, you, yeah, you had yeah. seen it, and I know it's on Prime. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just think you couldn't find the fucking time, man. Yeah, like it. It really like I've seen uh. I mean, I've seen Akira like a, a bajillion times, but like I, I want to, like I'm more willing now to like seek out the other stuff that Otomo has done, which is basically like Steamboy. Steamboy, I think, is the only other feature that he's done. That's well, so weird, isn't well, that crazy? Well, animated feature. He's done like some live action stuff too. Oh, should I be on that? It's just well, weird that he. Know. It's just weird that he has like the seminal anime of all time, I, yeah, and he's yeah. done like two or three movies. Like, right? Well, he's done like That's the issue, man. Well, he's been in like a couple more anthology films, um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah. So I guess he's a he's a he's a manga guy first, right? So he's probably doing a lot of manga I guess, stuff. I guess, 
during I guess that so. time. Yeah. Maybe he's busy. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, uh, what's his face? Uh, your buddy, uh, Clive Barker. Oh yeah. Mainly yeah. a writer, but he dabbled <laughs> in film. You know, or right. like Norman Mailer. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing. Well, yeah. Tomo wishes he was as good as Clive Barker. <laughs> <laughs> I think even Clive Barker would be like, uh, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, Clive Barker is just not to get off topic, but he's he's executive producing the Hellraiser show. I saw that, yeah. but I, but it, I, but I was also reminded that David Gordon Green is involved with this shit. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> Uh, is he involved? How? What is he directing, or is he producing? He's like directing a couple episodes. Oh no shit! So I mean, that'll definitely I mean, get your asses in the seats, <laughs> dude. That I don't think that's a big deal. But just like I don't. Well, I just watched the His Dark Materials uh, TV show. Oh, he's and, in, he's involved in that. No, 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 no. David Gordon Green is not involved in that. But <laughs> I was about to uh, say, I got the Blu-ray of it just the other day. Like, like don't ruin my, this for me already. <laughs> like my favorite director to shit on, Tom Hooper directed the first couple episodes and he's a producer on that and uh, i fucking hate him tom hooper uh, has no choice but to direct episodes of television now right i mean isn't his career i mean his career over it's uh <laughs> it's definitely the best stuff he's ever directed <laughs> <laughs> so fucking yeah what, he's what the is, worst what has he done he did les miserables and uh the king's speech and uh, the oh, yeah, yeah. Danish girl, Danish girl was his, his last oh yeah cats was a, was a disaster for him oh my god i'm so glad he did cats that's exactly I mean, I'm much happier watching Cats than I am Les Miserables. Oh, Les Miserables was a nightmare. I sat in the theater on Christmas Eve watching that shit. I wanted to kill myself. It was the worst. Was this the Red Main one, or was this the, the Red Main? No, the Red Main one. Okay. The Red Main. The recent, the right. more recent one. Fuck Red Main. Well, yeah, because that, that was one of the things I thought was, like, shaping JR's view on this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, like, the, the Stephen Hawking uh, yeah. movie. Right. Oh, so he, so he's Tom Hooper didn't direct that. Redmayne's just no, no. no but Eddie Redmayne was it? Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. That's directed by the guy who did The King. I can't remember his name. He did mm-hmm. the Man on Wire documentary. Ah. James Marsh. Anyways, uh, yeah. You done with memories? Oh yeah, um, yeah, D- yeah. Done talking about the movie, but I'm going to make an effort to watch more of Otomo more of a tomo and like i i've seen perfect blue like years and years and years ago so i want to watch that again jonathan speaks highly of that one yeah okay uh we should do a deep dive on perfect blue get uh get jonathan to come back on the show finally i uh i was actually planning on watching a lot of hanukkah films before this episode and mm-hmm. i only got to get to two of them besides the deep dive, but um, watched his first two films, The Seventh Continent and Benny's Video. And uh, I watched Benny's Video first because Jonathan, I remember he had talked about it on the show and he had given it a really high score. And uh, he watched it on YouTube. And I'm like, so I go to YouTube to watch it, but it doesn't have any subtitles. Like, I'm not sure how he, how, like, if, if he, he knows something I don't know about the subtitles or how they work, but. Mm. I went there and there's no subtitles and it looked fine and everything, but I was like, I I can't watch without subtitles or speaking German for God's sake. <laughs> and uh, so I had to watch the pig mutilation scene at the beginning twice because uh, <laughs> I ended up going on Criterion Channel and seeing that they have like a good bit of his filmography on Criterion Channel. Mm. And uh, so I watched Benny's video and it was fine. Uh, I wasn't blown away by it. 
uh, has that sort of, I think he's responsible for this, but this is like this, this thing that I had identified uh, a long time ago. I was watching a lot of like Europe, like modern European cinema, Mm -hmm. uh, like when I was in my mid twenties and I was seeing like uh, all the same kind of directing technique and all these different films by different directors. And it was just like these static shots that don't move, but people are moving in them. They almost like surveillance footage almost, you know? And, Mm. and I was like, and I think Haneke is actually like, he's the originator of this. Like he's because you watch Benny's video and it's like, that's what the whole movie is that like there's the camera doesn't move. And it's just like, these really long drawn out scenes where people are talking and there's like this ominous tone over everything. And you, you this this feeling of dread, you know, but you don't really know why, except for the fact that a a pig was murdered in the first scene and (laughs) which you can assume, you know, assume is foreshadowing of some sort. And, uh, and it is, and, uh, you know, and then this horrible violent thing happens midway through the movie and, and it's just dealt with very matter of factly. And I liked all that. And I thought it was, uh, you know effectively disturbing and everything but um i don't know i the way it resolved itself didn't satisfy me at all and uh it it was just kind of a a little bit of a letting the air out of the balloon sort of thing a a little Mm. let down at the end there i still liked it overall now that led me to the seventh continent because i'm reading about benny's video and they're saying it's an informal trilogy his first three films uh starting with the seven continent minis video. And then, uh, this movie, 71 fragments, et cetera, et cetera. I don't remember what the fucking title is. Say again. Isn't it like uh 71 fragments of a chronology of chance? Yeah. Something like that. Oh. That, that sounds right. So I was going to, that was the, that was the other one I was really trying to get to. And I just <laughs> did not get around to it. And, uh, I can't watch criterion at my, at work cause the, they block it. They don't block prime. They don't block, youtube but they block criterion channel if you wow. can believe it and mubi is not blocked which is why i watched a couple of chaplin shorts yesterday mm. or on friday but um anyways so i watched uh um the seventh continent which is his first feature and i liked it better it's i feel like almost like it would it would go way up on a rewatch even i gave it a four but i really enjoyed it i uh, mm. it's it's a very kind of the same kind of thing this this um almost like a family drama that's just absolutely, you know, filled with that, that same feeling, that same anxiety as an audience that you have watching Benny's video, you have watching this and you don't even know why in this, because this one starts off with this long scene of a car going through a car wash. (laughs) You're just like, I don't know what the fuck, like this is supposed to be instilling in me, but it's Mm. just fear. Like I just feel horrible. Like something bad's going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, until the end and then when it happens it's like it's crazy and it's like it's shocking and it really works even though it's absolutely inexplicable and then and then I'm thinking about it after I finished watching I'm thinking about it like how like how do you not see that coming like there's so much shit in the movie that's leading you towards this inevitable conclusion and I'm I'm trying to talk around it because I don't want to give anything away because it's it's good to go into blind I think and uh but yeah it's uh I, I thought it really, really worked really well, and the acting was great. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to watching more of his stuff. I'll be honest. I mean, those two films and um, you know, Time of the Wolf, and I'd only seen funny the Funny Games U.S. version before oh, <laughs> before yeah. this episode. So yeah, now I've seen a number of his films, and I'm I'm becoming a fan. So uh, it's, it's a little it's, his shit's really bleak, but I mean, oh yeah, I like bleak. 
there's you know maybe a little bit too much so sometimes but mm. yeah like have either of you guys seen uh code unknown i have yeah. not it's uh it's it's a lot like what you were describing like they're like there's some there's some scenes where like yeah it's literally just the static camera that yeah yeah but then sometimes sometimes it moves left left and right mm-hmm. um but and it's also like there's a lot of like anxiety like cuz uh like uh Juliette Binoche is like an actress in some of the scenes I think from what I remember I think yes yeah um but yeah, and like there, there are parts where you're like, okay, is this is she acting? Like, is this the scene, or is this like, um, it's it's like a Haneke film within a Haneke film. Yeah, meta. He, I mean, he deals with that a lot. I mean, there's there's elements of that in Benny's video as well. There's tons ah. of uh, this idea of, of of voyeurism and and recording yourself and recording the things that you do and mm. even recording other people's conversations at one point. And I mean, obviously in Funny Games, they deal with that where there's the famous scene where he rewinds the actual film with yeah, the TV yeah. remote, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, I mean, yeah, I think that's something he's definitely interested in, but it's just like, it's, he's very like, you can tell, I mean, you just watch his, you can watch like the opening scene of any of the films and just see exactly who the influences are. And it's like, you know, it's like Tarkovsky and Bergman and that's, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. those are his guys. It seems like, and I'm, I'm sure there's others too, but mm. it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's, He's not bad. I I definitely want to check out more of his stuff. I'm really glad Criterion has so much of his shit on their site. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to catch Including it. Code Unknown, I think. Yeah, I think it does. They have Code Unknown and uh, Cachet and uh, the Piano Teacher oh, and mm. um, Seventy One Fragments, and they have uh, that. I think that might be it. They might have a more on there too. I, that's that's another one I've wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And I have the White Ribbon on Blu-ray. Which I bought used at Fye back in the day, and I never watched it yet. Right. Anyways, that's uh, that's my Hanukkah films. Jr. Yeah, you know I never watched the Seventh Continent because I watched Benny's video, and I was like, maybe old Hanukkah is like a little too much for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's not like he's that or. Yeah, well, man, check them out. They're on Criterion. I mean, I, I I recommend the Seventh Continent. I think it's really it's definitely worth a poke. I I I mean, I'm gonna watch Seventy One Fragments also, but I definitely would highly mm. recommend Seventh Continent. Yeah, I can't say that he's like mellowed with age. Yeah, I mean, he's still dark, I guess, but yeah, yeah. it seems like he's not concerned with the same sort of um, nihilistic violence that he was mm. in these early films. All right, uh, moving to HBO Max. Uh, <laughs> I watched uh, David Byrne's American Utopia, which ah. is a uh, Broadway thing that was filmed by Spike Lee. Uh, and that's really the only reason I would bring it up on this show. Um, and I've seen a few of the you know, Spike Lee filmed performances now. And this is definitely not one of the better ones. As, as far as like his direction goes, he's just oh okay, he's just doing like way too much, I think. Um, and mm. he's like obsessed with filming this in a way that doesn't let us see the whole stage or see everything that's going on. And the point of much of this show is to see all of the musicians performing and how they do that as a group. Uh, so mm. I just 
thought the way Spike Lee did this was a little distracting. Uh, the show itself, though, I mean, I think if you like talking head songs and David Byrne in general, you're probably going to enjoy the music. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I spent some time working at a, like a camping store, fitting people into boots. And they do this whole show barefoot. And Spike Lee also films from above a lot. So you see their feet all the time. <laughs> and I'm just constantly thinking, like, oh, David Burns fucked if he wants hiking boots. His his right toes are just a little, they're just wonky. <laughs> <laughs> and judging his feet. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. The, the show's fine. David Burns a little hokey and old, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw that show live in uh, Alabama. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah, I agree. You're very right. Like, there's a a huge part of what goes on in the show is every like the way the stage is laid out. Like the way like like instead of curtains, it's like these chains, and like they can project stuff onto the chains, and like they have like lighting that will like move into like different shapes and all that kind of stuff. And like there's no like 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 there's five like five or six uh percussionists in in the group but they they all wear wear the drums like strapped to them so like every like everything is wireless there's no wires there's no there's no nothing on the stage except for like in the like the first song when he's like sitting at a table and he's holding a brain um <laughs> but yeah like it's probably that part and that song i was like oh no Oh, yeah. I don't like this at all. <laughs> oh no! Um, but no, but but I did. I, okay, that, yeah. That remains my least favorite song that they do. But uh, that's also partially because it's just a lot cooler once all the musicians come out to me. Yeah, and for sure. That's just pretty much him by himself. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, second HBO Max thing I watched is uh, hey, did you guys know Robert Zemeckis put out a new movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Remake of a. Uh nick rogue movie right well yeah and most i think would say the, the raw doll book but yeah uh, the witches um i watched this last night last night was uh halloween mm. and uh my brother and his wife were over and uh they wanted some light they wanted halloween viewing but not like serious horror halloween viewing and um I, and I lost. We just lost and you for I a second. Hang on, hang on, Jr. Jr. Repeat what you said. You, uh, yeah. You, uh, they wanted. They wanted. Uh, you, uh, uh, not not out. serious horror. What happened? Sorry. It's okay. Um, I wanted you to be Halloween. Oh. The group voted on the witches. Oh. I I think that we all regret our decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I would rather uh, I watch Hubie Halloween, Halloween as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least you can laugh at how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Yeah, this is just... Uh, I, look, this is for kids. I know it's for kids, but uh, it's, it's fucking bad. It's a cartoonish mess full of just, like, the ugliest CGI. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's really just all you need to know. That and Anne Hathaway has starred in two of the three worst movies I've seen in 2020. <laughs> Not good for Anne Hathaway. Wow. 
she I, can't help it. That's the, uh, that's the end of HBO. Her uh, her yeah. career is over too. So. Yeah, I mean, what, what was the last like great thing that she was in? Havoc. Great movie, Havoc. Oh, Have you seen Havoc? No. It's no. A, it's a movie it about was, these. Uh, that ri- was like in 2008. Yeah, that oh. was the last great movie she was in. <laughs> what else has she done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's terrible. Are you gonna make me Google Anne Hathaway? <laughs> <laughs> if you feel well, like no you gonna, need to. Well, no one's gonna make you do anything, but. <laughs> I defy you to tell me a better film that she's been in. I, mm. I challenge accepted. I'm doing that right now. I'm looking it up too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't forget we got to do our uh, our game too this episode where we mm. challenge each other on percentages on Letterbox. Right. Okay. So Colossal was at least interesting and pretty good. That was in 2016, but not great. I haven't seen that shit. <laughs> Doesn't count. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Oh, uh, Rachel getting married. Which oh, is- fuck, yeah. That, <laughs> that is better than Havoc. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so that's 2008. Havoc is even older. Ah. Havoc is fucking 2005. I was kidding when I said Havoc, but I do like the movie as far as, far as I remember. I, I spent a long time. I also never saw Brokeback Mountain. She might be good in that. I don't know. You haven't? No. Oh. Never she's seen. fine. Uh, of like, the yeah. four leads, she's the smallest one. Yeah, yeah. Havoc is a movie about these uh, rich white girls who live in L.A. and they drive into the wrong part of town, like the barrio, like where all the Hispanic gangsters are and stuff. And they get hit on by the gangsters. And and she's, like, especially uh, rebellious. And she wants to, like, you know, make her daddy mad. So she (laughs) seduces the gangsters into, like, gangbanging them. And it's, like, becomes this huge issue and... uh, danger and rape things like this and it becomes a problem but uh mm. i remember thinking it was quite good actually and she was good in it but it's been a long time since i've seen it freddie rodriguez is in it he's one of the gangbangers oh okay so yeah anyway okay kevin <laughs> <laughs> so i have sort of unwitting unwittingly started going into a tim burton reappraisal uh, so I ended up watching uh, Beetlejuice and uh, Sweeney Todd, Demon Barber, Fleet Street, and I actually enjoyed Beetlejuice quite a bit. Um, hey, is that a rewatch? I, yeah, yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, I think I think I've seen almost all of his movies except for like the uh, Peregrine and Miss Peregrine. Uh, Big Eyes. No, I haven't seen that one either. I mean, um, I've missed a lot of them, especially the recent ones. Right. Like Dark Dum- Shadows? Dumbo, Dark Shadows, no, never Miss seen. Peregrine, yeah. uh, Big Eyes. I haven't seen any of that shit. Yeah, I've I, seen his 90s stuff a yeah. lot. I guess I guess Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was the last one of his that I saw. I was in 05, um, man. You gotta get oh, it. shit. <laughs> yeah, Damn. You're 15 uh, years behind, my friend. I don't know. Like Everything everything that's come out since, I've been like, um, like I literally have no interest in Alice that. in Wonderland? No, I haven't seen oh, that wow. one. I uh, did see that in the theater, and it was terrible. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, Beetlejuice is really entertaining. For I like, it was a weird coincidence too, because like lately I have been like watching like uh, old uh, Dick Cavett interviews on YouTube. They are the best, aren't they? Dick I Cavett is fucking great. The De, the De Palma and Scorsese one where they're oh there together—it's yes. so good. It's so fit. It's fantastic, yeah. and. Uh, like, and he's in it as like uh, Catherine O'Hara's agent. 
it's like, oh wow, That's yeah, cool. it's like Delia, you're a flake. You have always been a flake. <laughs> I loved it. He's great. Yeah, and like, I don't, I don't know about you guys how your experiences run with this, but I, I've known a lot of a lot of people who um, will will quote Winona Ryder in the movie. You know the the whole dark room thing, and like. I don't know, like maybe maybe it's just my own personal experience, but like every time every time someone will try to say that, I'll come back with Catherine O'Hara's, you know. So you were miserable in New York City, and now you're going to be miserable out here in the sticks. At least someone's life hasn't been upheaved. And... I've never, I like I said, I haven't seen it, so I don't, I wouldn't, oh, oh, I wouldn't okay. recognize oh, okay. Winona Ryder's line from okay. the movie. I, if if you heard the whole thing, you probably would th- like. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, my whole life is a dark room. One big dark room. I don't know. Ah. I've been wanting to see it uh, in recent years. I've been mm. thinking about it, but uh, yeah, like you know, there's so many movies to watch. Yeah, um, it's it you know it's not perfect, but like Alec Baldwin is great in it. Gina Davis is great. Um. Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones is, uh, I honestly, he's probably the weakest actor of the bunch, and I'm not just saying that because, Ouch. and I'm not just saying that because of uh, you know his, his trouble. A pedophile. Yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, the the guy who plays uh, Otho Glenn Shaddix, uh, he was also in an episode of Seinfeld. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, That's like cool. Like is that the sorry, fat, is that the fat guy? Yeah, sorry, Jerry. She can't have the apartment that that episode. We're like. Like him and sorry, like sorry, Jerry. Yeah, I feel like I can't think of him in the movie. I know what he looks like too. Like I'm think I yeah, can think yeah. of him because he's in a uh, Demolition Man. He's like the right hand yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, the the old guy, right? Nigel Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that Nigel Hawthorne? I didn't even realize that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I don't. I can't. Th- I can think of the scene you're talking about too, but I can't picture him in there. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, Beetle Beetlejuice is a four, and rewatched uh, Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Now. I mean, I th- I think the the song the songs and the music are fine. Uh, I I don't know. They just don't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, the biggest issue that I had with it was like it seems to like go back and forth a lot between because like it's a revenge story, and like Johnny Depp ends up seeing Alan Rickman, the person that he's trying to get revenge on, like fairly early on and then there's like other stuff that that goes on between the when they fir- when they first see each other again and when he um when he finally gets his revenge and i don't know it just like it just for me it like took a lot of the suspense out of like um you know how's he going to get revenge is he going to get revenge and um yeah so i was I, on I just, a real uh anti johnny depp kick when uh when this movie came out which i mean you know he's done nothing to come out of that since then i i don't like johnny depp very much but but uh this came out and i went on it my first ever like real adult date date i had as an adult mm-hmm. was on this at this movie and i took a girl to see it and uh yeah i just remember like hating it and she liked it a lot and i was having to pretend like it was good i was like yeah, yeah. i like that yes yeah, that scene was good huh? you know because you're trying to be nice and everything, but yeah, yeah. and then she made a mix CD and had Dave Matthews Band on, and I was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to see you anymore. We're done. You like all the bad stuff, so yeah, like... I'm out. 
Yeah. Nail in the coffin, so Exa- to speak. Exactly, exactly. But I don't I honestly don't remember anything about it except Sasha Baron Cohen yeah, being and, in it. Yeah, and, and he's he's actually really good. Yeah. That's all I really remember. Yeah. That's the thing I've noticed about like Cohen himself, like he is actually a pretty good actor. Sure. It's just his own weirdnesses that he gets like caught up in mm. and like some of the some of the projects that he works on, it's like, eh, nah, you're, you're better than this. Come on. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I watched, uh, on the rocks, which is the new, uh, Sofia Coppola film (laughs) on, uh, Apple TV, just completely impulsory too. I, I was, I was not planning on watching this movie at all like i i would have gotten to it years from now you know because <laughs> i should not i don't do not care about this mm. and uh i'm not a I, I lost in translation is not one of my favorites of hers I, it's it's good but uh i don't love it and uh i was watching this and it's fine it's actually it has a really great charming scene right in the middle of it where Bill Murray interacts with this police officer. It's just great. He's so good in this scene. He's just like so gregarious and fun and how he ta- he essentially talks himself out of a ticket, but it's as if like he his character knew like he was never going getting a ticket. Like there's no way it was ever going to happen. And he's just talking to this guy like he's, you know, like they've known each other their whole life. It's just really, it was good. I don't know. That scene was really great. And, uh, not, nothing else in the film even comes close to that. And it's got too much plot. Uh, it's, you know, it's about Rashida Jones plays, uh, Bill Murray's daughter and Bill Murray is like a playboy and he left her mother. And, uh, when they went, and so they have like a ten, contentious relationship, sort of, they like each other and everything. They were like, you know, they're pals, but they, uh, she doesn't approve of his lifestyle. And of course they're all, you know, everybody's super rich, you know, they're millionaires. They live in like this ridiculous loft apartment in Brooklyn or whatever. Mm. And, uh, she's married to Marlon Wayans who's like, you know, he's fine. Like he's not a great actor, but he's, he's just playing like a husband and he's, he's fine. Mm. And, um, he's, she suspects that he's cheating on her. So, she confides in her father about this and he decides to spy on him, uses massive influence and wealth to spy on him. And, uh, it seems like he is, uh, cheating. So they follow him all over the place. And that's what the movie is. essentially, just like, a, like almost like a goofy screwball detective story mm. where they're trying to figure out if he is or not. And, uh, Rashida Jones at the center of this, uh, this screwball comedy is just out of her element. She is not up to par with anybody who is involved in this. She doesn't belong at the center of a Sofia Coppola movie. She doesn't belong at the center of her own movie where she's the star. And she certainly doesn't belong in a scene with Bill Murray. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I'm not even the biggest Bill Murray fan, but this guy acts circles around Rashida Jones. And I, I would have said I liked Rashida Jones, but she's just not good in this movie. And I and I was thinking about her. I was like, I was like, I don't know what she has been good in. Like she's she's a serviceable TV actor. You know what I mean? She's fine in Parks and Rec. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and even then, she's boring. She's not the interesting, funny character. She's like the straight woman to yeah, Amy Poehler's character. It's not her fault, but okay. Well, I'm not saying it's her fault. <laughs> I'm just saying she's just like she does that fine. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just like you watch somebody you want to see. You want to see somebody compelling on screen, and I'm not compelled by her at all. I mean, it might just be, um, might just be me. I don't know. She's fine in the social network, in the one scene where she has dialogue. Oh. You know, I mean, at the, the end there, her confrontation with uh, Jesse Eisenberg, like, that's a good scene. I don't know it's necessarily, you know, her doing any heavy lifting in that scene. Like, I don't think she's, like, an untalented actress. I just think she's not at the level mm. that this movie requires right. performance-wise, what she's asked just, to do. <laughs> this feels like a, this feels like confirmation bias, you know? You... <laughs> You watched the trailer for this, and you said the exact same things. Did I? And now you watch the movie, and you're you're saying exactly what you said after the trailer, and just feels like you you went in there with a, with a closed mind. Preconceived notions. Did I say that about Rashida Jones when the trailer came out? Yes. I'm sorry. I really did not realize that. I that might be the case. It might be confirmation bias. But I, I mean, having seen it, I will say, I mean. I don't know. It does. It, you 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 watch it and you tell me. I don't know. She doesn't. She's mm. not doing a great job. And I'm not saying she's <laughs> no. a bad actress or she's doing a poor job in it. She's just not at the same level as everybody else involved. Mm. Uh, Sarah wants to watch this movie, so we'll probably watch it soon. Eh. There you go. There you go. She'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> she Rom- did not love the witches. Yeah, but this is like a rom com sort of kind of thing. So so far, I think no one has loved the witches. Yeah, I think it's getting pretty negative uh, yeah, reviews. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a pile of shit. Mm. I mean, I'm a Zemeckis apologist, sort of. I mean, I liked, I liked Allied a lot, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, everybody hates everything he's done recently. And I like, I was, I, you know, I had to watch Beowulf about 900 times during this last couple of months because of, mm. uh, we're, we were studying it in my class. I was teaching it, and uh, I had to watch the film and. I, I mean, I was I grew to, grew to really appreciate certain aspects of Beowulf from a filmmaking standpoint, especially oh. the writing, which is not him, but yes, yeah, Neil Gaiman and Roger Avery. Yeah, which is, is a great script. But anyways, I don't get off on that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, on the rocks, not uh, it's definitely low tier, like bottom of the barrel for Sofia Coppola. I like mm. the Beguiled more. I liked uh, <laughs> almost anything she's done. I think it's the lowest score I've ever given one of her films. So. Ouch! But I don't think you see yeah. the Blade uh, oh yeah, I did not like the bling ring. Um, I never, I didn't see that one. I think the bling ring might be marginally, at least, more entertaining. Uh. It has issues too, though. She's just not, you know, she's a little overrated, a little overhyped. I like her. I like some of her films. I like Virgin Suicides is probably my favorite one, and it's you know, it's the one that looks the most or feels the most unlike her films now because she's definitely mm. like. She, you could tell she's influenced by her father on that one a lot. You know, there's a lot of techniques and stuff that he used in, mm. in the 70s and 80s that she's kind of aping. And but that's I don't know maybe that's why I like it so much. <laughs> it just feels like a Francis Ford Coppola film and mm. just plays really well. But I don't know. You know, maybe she'll come back and prove us all wrong. Who knows? Mm. Jr. All right. Well, I. Uh... I promised Kevin that I would talk about Ration. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, genu- I genuinely thought that you talked about, like, this or, like, another, like, you know, we 80s, talked, like, we talked about something cause I, or... Yeah, because I mentioned that uh, there was a movie that... I I, about, say, go ahead. I talked about Rad. Oh, oh Rad. Okay. okay. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Rad. Okay. You don't have to talk so, about I mean, Thrashin' is, if you don't want to. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, Thrashin's great, and you guys should watch Thrashin'. Uh, I won't. Oh, okay. If you ever get that itch for, uh, for like, a good 80s, like, sports underdog thing, ah. um, 
you know, and it, it's mixing like the, the sports underdog with like a counterculture, which is what Rad was trying to do also. Uh, mm. We're getting the skateboarding thing, and it's it's an absolute blast. And it's one of the best movies I watched in the past three weeks, and I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Where I, I don't like Rad, uh, BMX ah, bikes. And go okay, fuck right. <laughs> if I if I want that that if I need to scratch that itch, I'll watch the skateboard race episode of McGee and Me. Anybody? McGee and Me? Did you guys watch this? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a religious show. It's oh, like a okay. it's like a Christian <laughs> thing, but um, the kid skateboards in it. One of those. I wonder if you know, Brink again, is on Disney Plus. <laughs> Brink. Yeah, I, I bet it is. It probably Brink. is. Yeah. Brink Johnny Tsunami. Thrashing. Brink is is Brink is a hundred percent thrashing. Oh, okay. Are you saying Brink is like thrashing? Or are you saying it's thrashing like thrashing as an adjective? Like it's super cool. It's like both. Brink is thrashing, bro. I'm saying both. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nice. Brink is a beautiful artifact of the, the late '90s, and also uh, it takes its plot it, totally from Thrashin. And Thrashin isn't perfect because Thrashin is confused about who like the good guys and bad guys are. Mm. Young Josh Brolin and his fr- like his his group of like middle class wealthy blonde haired friends, uh, like. All they want to do is get corporate sponsorships and they go out and they pick fights with the other kids and they're sore losers when they don't <laughs> win. And Roland like emotionally mistreats his new girlfriend who's the sister of his main rival. And uh, these are these are our good guys and they're dicks. Uh, the bad guys all wear black and they consist of a racially diverse group of friends. They all live happily together in a shared house. They skateboard only for the fun of it. And they don't fuck with anybody unless they're fucked with first outside of one instance of one of the guys cheating. Uh, they're generally presented as nice people, minus that one guy who cheated during a contest. Uh, but these are our bad guys. And if the movie had like appropriately identified who its protagonists and villains actually were, uh, it'd be better. Instead, it refuses to like actually embrace uh, like the skateboarding counterculture, and uh, we're like rooting for the bad guys while being forced to stay with uh, Brolin's perspective. And that motherfucker, spoiler, that motherfucker wins the climactic race by cheating. Wow! And he just like de- defends it as like a simple like you gotta do what you gotta do to win. That's it's right. Like, All right. That's teaching That's the kids weird. about the real, the real life behind yeah. competitive sports. Yeah, real, recognized, real. Like Brink, Brink fixed this like by making the uh, like, you know, Eric Von Detten and his friends. They're the ones who are skateboarding only or skating only for fun. Inline skating, of course. Uh, mm. And all these movies end with a race. Is this before or after the Goonies? Talked about Rad. Just not stupid. He's breaking what? up again. I said, is this before or after the Goonies? The, uh, I don't know. I would think it would be after. It was 80, this is 86. Okay. That's before then, right? I don't know. When is the Goonies? 85 is the Goonies, right? Yeah, because I think Lethal Weapon was 86. 87 is Lethal Weapon. Oh, What's that got to do with sorry. anything? Richard Donner. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, I was like what the fuck are you <laughs> yeah. talking about? Lethal Weapon. <laughs> yeah. You know, I keep thinking Richard Donner has oh, probably, that? like, the most diverse career in movies. I mean, like, sure, he's made four Lethal Weapons, but, you know, like, Horror, superhero, kids, adventure, and um, other things. Maybe I'm wrong. Fantasy, <laughs> Lady Hawk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. How do, 
Jeez, how did I forget Lady Hawk? Did he do? Did he do Maverick? Yeah, he oh, did yeah, do that's Maverick. Right. So, Maverick. Yeah, so Western. you got Western too. There you go, and it's Western comedy. Yeah, yeah. So you call it a comedy yep, too. Right. Was yeah. Too. Oh, and he did a uh, he did Sixteen Block, which is like a remake of The right. Gauntlet. Oh, okay. The uh, Clint Eastwood movie. Right. So. Yeah. So Richard. Yeah, Richard. Donald yeah, he's pretty. Finally. Yeah. Superhero movie. Superman. Superman. Yeah. Huh? And sort of Superman too. I think. What are you saying? Was that JR? I said, I think I'm going to finally watch Maverick. It's on a streaming service now. You haven't seen Maverick? Why would I have seen it before? Kevin might change his deep dive here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So moving on from Thrashing, which also features a 21-year-old Sherilyn Finn in a a nice role. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about this. I just want to tell Kevin that Mm. I watched The Gentleman... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like that classic Guy Ritchie style. Yeah. Um, so so was absolutely watchable and and not bad at mm. all. Mm. But kind of felt like that style on autopilot. Like I I just could not get into this narrative, and I just. I think the movie required me to think that Charlie Hunnam was interesting, and that never happened. I could never get in on that. I mean, you're not wrong. Hunnam's not great. Takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I trying to. I like him in Lost wish, City of Z, but that's... I, have, I haven't seen that one. I think I've only ever seen him in like, I guess. Oh, uh, the Del Toro movies, uh, Crimson Peak oh, and uh, yeah. Pacific Rim, but. Yeah. yeah, he's awful in Pacific his, Rim. His career really peaked. Yeah, and Rim. my brother tells me he's awful in like uh, Sons of Anarchy too. So he, and he did. Uh, he got Guy Ritchie directed him in King Arthur. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, like, I don't want to blame him for for any other Guy Ritchie. Like, <laughs> I don't really know what Guy Ritchie's career is. I don't know who he's trying to be. Um, At this point, John I mean, Favreau. Right now, he's trying to be Favreau. With this movie, he's trying to be him, his old self. Sure. And he's yeah, not yeah. retarded anymore. And like his last movie before that was fucking Aladdin, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah, and, and at least like the the King Arthur movie had it had like a very quick, quippy style, and Aladdin was just totally anonymous. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, this movie is not bad. I just I couldn't fall for it, and um, just like I I would you know it part of it's like uh, who you cast. And like Colin Farrell is like a really interesting person, and like the way he's introduced is crazy, mm. and he just doesn't go like very interesting places. And like Hugh Grant's doing like a wild bit, but that doesn't go anywhere interesting for me. So I just, you know, uh, couldn't couldn't totally fall for it. Okay, good for you, man. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> just kidding with kevin here jabbing kevin a little bit yeah because yeah, i mean yeah like i'm not gonna sit here and do like a staunch defense of uh guy Ritchie as a filmmaker but like oh, his yeah. you know his uh quirky british gangster flicks like i it's been a it's been you like snatch just say it it's okay i love <laughs> snatch i don't like snatch i love snatch i love Dude, I laughed fam- my ass show. off the last time I watched family that movie. Show, family show. <laughs> this is family show, Kevin. <laughs> I was about to make a joke about that, too, but I thought better of it. 
JR's mind is in the gutter. <laughs> anyway, JR, next movie? Not JR, uh, Kevin. Sorry, <laughs> looking right. right at Kevin and saying JR. Right. Kevin, next movie? <laughs> yeah. uh, so now it's time for some sword and sorcery. So I, for some reason, I got the I got the itch to rewatch Conan, mm. and I I guess I don't know if I like never knew this or like knew and forgot, but like Oliver Stone had a hand in the screenplay, although I think Milius kind of took over and kind of did what he did what he wanted with it. But anyway, so I decided I wanted to watch Conan again. Yeah, uh, and it's enjoyable. But I don't know. It just wasn't for me. It just wasn't very interesting. Ouch! Um, it's been a long time since yeah. Conan. I don't know. It's so long, and like uh, the composer uh, Basil Polidorius, mm-hmm. like he was. I guess he was thinking like, okay, I'll you know, biblical epics are kind of done, but I want to write a score for a biblical epic. So then he gives us his score for Conan, which is basically like that's an interesting idea. Yeah, like it would it would definitely fit into like any like you know Quo Vadis or Ben Hur or yeah. Spartacus or anything like that. Ten Commandments. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I always like the score to now, um, now. Damn, now I want to watch that again because I remember I remember thinking Yul Brynner was fucking fantastic in in, in uh, Ten Commandments. Yeah, you have never seen it. Really? Yeah, I bought oh. the Blu-ray again on sale at FYA. I haven't watched yeah. it yet. But I love um, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, Samson and Delilah. It was like mm-hmm. a staple of my childhood. Oh, right. And uh, I used to watch it like all the time, like every week on, on uh, what we called Sabbath, which is like Saturday, you know, Friday oh, to sundown, right, right. Friday to sundown, Saturday. We weren't allowed to watch TV or anything, so, but we could watch religious films. So we, I would watch that movie all the time. Because it had lots of violence in it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Samson breaking people's skulls and shit. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but there's a score to it. Like, I can still recall the score to it in my head. Like, I mm. could hum it right now if I had to. And right. it's just like, uh, I was like, I don't know, it's really stuck with me. But, yeah, I have to watch Ten Commandments, too. If you watch it, let me know. I'll watch it. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so then I wanted, I wanted some more sword and sorcery. And so, of course, Excalibur got to yeah it'd been forever since i've seen it like in my top 10 yeah <laughs> there's so much that i enjoy about excalibur but like some of the acting in it for me just does not just i okay some of it's just <laughs> so over the top i, I just, will I just say can't, can't that get with it i have i have the the thing about excalibur is there's so much nostalgia built in for me and mm. i try to I, the reason, like, I would never have a film in my top ten if it was just nostalgia. Like, right. there are things about it that I sincerely appreciate cinematically and, um, you know, about the way they treat the material and things like this. The camera work, et cetera. The yeah. special effects, especially. Um, yes. But, uh, like, when, like for instance, when he's, when, uh, when they're all celebrating on that hill at night and he's talking about how he's going to build a round table and all that shit. Mm. And, uh, Merlin has his staff and his staff just like, he goes stand back and his staff just starts spewing fire. Like that shit's amazing. And I know it's a stupid, it's a simple, like they're just running a hose of whatever gas, you know, or whatever, Mm. but it's just amazing. Like when that happens, it was like, that is great. You'd never get that now. Like if they Mm. did in the movie now, it'd be CG like lasers coming out of it and shit. But, uh, Really, just really lasers. good. It would be like the panning lasers with like yeah, a fog exactly. in it and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be a real rave up there. But yeah, uh, yeah but uh, but you know the the acting is something that I noticed even when I was a kid. I noticed like Nigel Terry in particular 
when he's playing young Arthur, he's not good. Like he's yeah. he's bad. He's genuinely putting in a bad performance. But it's just one of those things where I have to let it go. Like I, have to, it, the rest <laughs> of it's so good to me mm. that I just don't care. Like like when when, he, when he's like, "Sorry, father." <laughs> Like he's got that crazy Irish accent, you know, I'm just like, this guy is the worst, but he's, you know, I, I forgive him because it's Borman's idea to cast him as this young version of himself. Like mm. he probably should have went with somebody like a different actor who was younger and then let Nigel Terry play. Cause I think once he's old, Arthur, I think he's fine. Right. I don't think yeah. he's amazing, but he's yeah, fine. Yeah. He's serviceable. You know yeah. what I mean? None of the performances are incredible except for Nicole Williamson is, is great. Oh, he's as Merlin. He's the best. But, the rest of them are all just kind of even even like you know Neeson and Patrick Stewart and stuff. They're all just yeah, kind of yeah. doing their job. They're not doing anything spectacular. Yeah, and Helen guy, Mirren is actually doing. Pretty oh, she's well. good too. Yeah, yeah. I forget about yeah. her. Yeah. she's good. And the and the guy who plays Lancelot is not great. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, but again, I, again, it's like a different. It's like a difference between scenes. It's like early on Lancelot, he's not terrific, but he's playing the he's playing what he's supposed to be doing. He's fine. He's serviceable. But then at the end, when he shows back up for that battle, I think it's amazing. It's like Oscar level, like when he's screaming yeah. for Arthur and everything. It's just like I'm, I'm totally in. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a, you know, so dependent on what part of the film you're looking at. But yeah. it's just an amazing watch for me. I love Excalibur. I mean, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, of course. Yeah, I, I can't come, say Father. That. Let us embrace it last. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good line. I love Excalibur. Sorry. Yeah, and like, oh, um, and like. Gabriel Byrne as oh, Uther. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's, he's not. He's not bad. He's yeah. <laughs> my my students. I showed. I show my students the. Uh, we read a little bit of Lamorte d'Arthur during mm-hmm. the hero unit, uh, the one about Beowulf. Mm-hmm. And I show my students. I use it as an excuse to show the scene where Uther is killed. Right. And yeah. uh, they laugh every every single class laughs when he dies, like when he says. Oh, and he spits out the blood and everything. They think that's funny. <laughs> Just like, I love that because when it cuts back to, uh, it cuts to Merlin and he looks back and he says, Uther. And he's like, he's like sad about it almost that right. Uther's dying, even though they have this kind of antagonistic relationship. Mm. I really, really, uh, I f- I'm, aff- I'm like affected emotionally, you know, I don't cry or anything, but it's like a good, it works, you know, it's a really good yeah, scene. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. This is great. Yeah. It's just great. Borman, God bless him. You know, he made two great films. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen everything, but Taylor of Panama is a piece of shit, and uh, <laughs> Exorcist Two I couldn't get through. So I've been meaning to watch Taylor of Panama again forever because I remember thinking it was like hilarious. But it, it's probably <laughs> it might actually be the only bad. thing I remember about Taylor of Panama is Jamie Lee Curtis is like fifty in it and she's topless, which I remember being like oh, really. Right. I remember it being like shocking because I was a kid when I saw. I was like sixteen or whatever. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. she's topless in this movie. She's like 50. It's insane. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting, like, Pierce Brosnan, because, like, he had already been Bond at that point, but then he was like, he, like, plays, like, the exact opposite. Well, he of- did the, uh, he did the couple of movies during his Bond run, like, uh, the remake of uh, Thomas Crown Affair, also. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. But, like, you know, he's, like, so. It's funny, like, like, a Bond movie is probably how, like,. You know, like you would view a uh, a secret agent, but like his performance in Taylor of Panama is like probably how an actual secret agent would be. For sure. Yeah. I need to. I should probably rewatch it too. It's not really fair that I say it's yeah. a piece of shit. But anyways, <laughs> I uh, 
a lot, th- this is the last thing I'm going to talk about because I just don't. Mm. I mean, I have other things that I watch, but I don't want to talk about them. They're boring. Um, I watched uh, for the first time Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, mm. which are the second two or the last two films in the. I don't know what you call it, the Dead Trilogy by uh, George A. Romero. Mm. Uh, and I, I'll be honest, I have not seen Night of the Living Dead. I have seen it, but not officially. I've watched a, um, I went to the movie theater and watched a uh, riff tracks of it oh, where they made okay. fun of it. Right. So I've seen it, but it's like, I wouldn't count that as a watch, you know? And right. I actually, I want to watch the thing, give it like a proper sit down watch. And it's on every single stream service. Like, it's on everything. It's on movie. It's on Criterion. It's on Canopy. So, yeah. It's easy to get to. And it's in the public domain. So, you could literally watch it on YouTube. But, uh, yeah. Dawn of the Dead was so much fun. Like, have you seen this, Kevin? <laughs> no. I've only seen Night of the Living Dead. I've seen, I saw Dawn of the Dead, the remake, the Zack Snyder film, when mm. it first came out on DVD or whatever. And, uh, you know, liked it enough just because of its, you know, I was uh, really into violence and movies and stuff back then. And that was like all I cared about. So I was, you know, it's fine. But, um, you know, I had issues with that even because there was parts of it that were just ridiculous. But um, this movie is just so, it's goofy, but it's like you could tell it's self-aware and like uh, in its goofiness, like how the characters deal with certain situations is just like silly. Like they don't. You know, if you were trying to paint it in a realistic light, you might have characters acting more um, anxious or in dread of the, the the their kind of inevitable conclusion. Like you're you're there's no way you're going to survive this, and even if you do, like look at what you have to get go through to survive. Like it's not even worth it. Like it's just a horrible thing if you think if you're like like that's and that's what zombie movies traditionally nowadays would go through like that's what you would deal with it'd be like this kind of existential dread coming mm-hmm. from the fact that you know humanity is doomed but this movie doesn't take zombies like that at all zombies are just like these slow moving you know they can't really they can overwhelm you if there's too many of them and you're alone with them but it's like if the you know they don't even know where you are they're not really looking for you they're just kind of wandering around and yeah. and th- these people that we're following go into this shopping mall uh that they find which is a relatively new concept in 1978 and um they land on the top of this building with a helicopter and they go into the mall and they they just live in the mall and and it's it's just like you're as the audience member you're vicariously th- you know you're thinking that you're thinking of how exciting that would be like it's like that fantasy of living in the mall that you have from when you were a kid i want to be in the mall when the mall closes and run around through all the stores and yeah. take whatever i want and do whatever i want and sleep in the beds in the bed store and all that kind of stuff yeah. and uh it's just really it's a lot of fun for that reason and uh there's so many great blood effects in it which is amazing for mm-hmm. me i love that and uh, I just had a lot of fun with it. I mean, there's there's uh, there's things you could criticize about it, but it's like it feels a little, I don't know, kind of like short-sighted or something to criticize it about, you know, like nitpick it about it's, you know, the the they have this makeup on the zombies and they kind of look almost blue in the <laughs> because oh, of the yeah. film stock or whatever. It's like, I don't, but I mean, it's just like, I don't I mean, whatever, you know, they're just like, they're zombies. Who, who knows what a zombie looks like? There's no such thing as a zombie, you know? Right. <laughs> and, uh, or you could criticize like the blood looks, it's too orange, you know, it's, mm. but it's like, that's again, that's like, that's a product of its time. And he's not trying to make a realistic, like, 
Romero himself said he wanted to make like a comic book movie, a movie that looked like a moving comic book, and he, right. uh, you know, he he comes close to accomplishing that. I'd say it's a lot of fun. The acting is horrible, absolutely <laughs> horrible. Like nobody's good in it, but it's I don't know. It's just charming and silly and a blast. Mm. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and then I watched Day of the Dead directly afterwards, which ah. was on. I watched Dawn of the Shoe Drops. Right? Say again. This is where the other shoe drops. Yeah. <laughs> well, I watched Dawn of the Dead. Was uh, they have a 4K? They have the 4K transfer on YouTube for free. So I watched wow. that on YouTube, and then I watched Day of the Dead, also on YouTube, but it's not a 4K transfer. But it didn't look bad. It's just like a DVD rip or something. <laughs> and Day of the Dead is uh, awful, and it's not awful because uh, it's like you know the tone has changed dramatically or something. It's it's silly too. It's mm-hmm. goofy. It does seem less self aware. Mm. And the effects are about, like, if you're judging the effects in Dawn of the Dead as being bad, then the effects in Day of the Dead are about a million times better because they look incredible. Like, the effects work in Day of the Dead is absolutely stunning. Like, there's amazing stuff going on. Mm. Uh, And it's very impressive. But the story is so boring. Like, Mm. it's about these, it's like a really small group of people and they're in an underground bunker and it's just gray and boring and dark and nothing happens and uh, the zombies don't literally the first zombie doesn't attack anybody until 45 minutes in like 45 fucking minutes before geez. we see a zombie attacking someone i'm just like what are we doing here like is this a zombie movie or what you know i literally cannot think of another zombie movie that waits that long to instigate the action of the film and once it starts it starts and there's a lot of zombies you know ripping people apart like a like a cold open scene where a zombie attacks somebody at the very beginning. No, there's a, there's a, there's a, it's not a cold open scene. There's a scene at the beginning of the film where they're flying around in the helicopter, I guess, looking for God knows what they're researchers. So they're like, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to find cures for, and they fly to this Island and they see zombies and there are zombies, but they don't, nothing happens. They don't shoot them. The zombies don't attack them. They're just seen from afar. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's literally how the movie begins. And you see, you see zombies all through the movie. I mean, they're 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 capturing zombies and uh, uh, experimenting on them to try to figure out how to fix the situation. And it de- and it devolves into a situation of um, the classic, you know, where the zombies aren't the problem; it's the people. You know, the people hate each other; they disagree mm. with each other politically or about how they should be dealing with the zombie situation. And in, th- in this situation, there's a, a crew of soldiers and a crew of scientists, and of course. Soldiers want annihilation. The scientists want to learn and figure out how to fix it, and it causes issues. It's kind of the similar kind of thing to uh, like Twenty Eight Days Later, where they mm. go to uh, that military that mansion where the military's taken over, and the military turn out to be worse than the zombies. You know, yeah. But uh, Christopher Eccleston. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't. It was just really boring. I was just so bored by it, and I was just mad because I was. I was like, "This is not what I signed up for." Like, I want more Dawn of the Dead action. You know, I want a lot of <laughs> headshots and, uh, you know, zombies getting beaten to death and stuff. And all that happens. It just takes so fucking long for it to happen. And like I said, the effects are great. Like they start ripping people apart at the end, and and it's just gross and looks great. And it reminded me of a. Uh, I mean, obviously, Shaun of the Dead, you know, is mm. pulling from these films, but it reminded me of having seen Shaun of the Dead when the the, the guy with the glasses is pulled out of the window and they rip yeah, him in half. Yeah. Like, it looked like that. <laughs> well, it looks really good. And uh, But anyways, uh, yeah, Day of the Dead was a, a nightmare to get through, and I, I, mm. I can't imagine I'll ever watch it again, but I definitely would watch Dawn of the Dead in a heartbeat. And I definitely... I don't. 
you should not continue. <laughs> don't don't watch Land of the Dead or Diary of the Dead. I have watched Land of the. I saw Land of the Dead in the theater. Believe it or not. Oh. Uh, Weird. And got a uh, theater release. Yeah, yeah. It was in '05. I mean. Oh okay. okay. I saw it in the theater. Hated every second of it. Um, I don't even know why I saw it. I just I think Jordan saw it with me maybe, but oh, okay. it was a nightmare. But uh, I I I I'm not one of these people who believes or who is for the idea of zombies learning to use tools and guns <laughs> and things like I think it's absolutely ridiculous and mm. it really takes me out of it if you could be taken out of a zombie movie. You so know? Right. you don't believe in the theory of of evolution is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't believe that once a, I mean, I, I mean, I, that's a joke obviously. And the, I, I mean, arguing this seems absolutely silly, but the idea that in my mind I'm watching, I'm saying, okay, that zombie is the living dead. Meaning he's dead. They're not progressing anymore. They're brain dead. Everything's dead, right? They're just working on instinct now. Like there's muscle memory or whatever, getting them to move and mm. go to where they're, they're going or an attack for brains or whatever, like they're trying to eat people or whatever, but there's no like cognitive ability in a zombie in my, in my opinion, it's just such a stupid thing to even say. Yeah. It's just like what are we arguing about here? But, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. That's the problem. So when I see a zombie holding a gun, uh, what, which happens in day of the dead as well, uh, it just, it's absolutely ridiculous to me. <laughs> like, I'm just like, what am I, what is this? <laughs> it's where I draw the line zombie wise. Mm. Anyway, that's uh, that's it for me. I'm out. Also, okay. Uh, really? Oh, okay. Okay, I'll uh, I'll wrap it up here. Let's see. All right. So, watched some scary stuff because you know October. Uh, Blake and I ended up. Uh, let's see. We rewatched uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is pretty funny. Really enjoyed it. Uh. We also rewatched Black Christmas, which like original. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I wouldn't bother with the remake. Just... Two remake, two remakes now. Really? Yeah, there was one in like oh yeah. four or something. Oh, well, no, thank you. Um, yeah, like I I appreciate I appreciate what it's trying what it's trying to do, but like again, like some the like Olivia Hussey in particular. Hello, hello, <laughs> who's there? It's like, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Who's the lady from Superman? Who's in it? Margot Kidder. Oh, she's so good looking in this movie. No, no, I'm. Well, You're out. Margot, Ki- like she's beautiful in this movie. Okay, I she mean, really does it for me. I don't know. I, I, I don't. Know. I remember that's like the thing I remember about the movie is Margot Ma- Kidder. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe because I saw Olivia Hussey in uh, Zeffirelli's uh, Romeo and Juliet, I like. She's good looking too. On her. On her. Yeah, like like I would have thought Olivia Hussey. So that's, She's that's why I was too. like Margot Kidder. I oh, I think what okay. it was is that Margot Kidder. I didn't think of her as being attractive. Oh, because okay. I never really. I didn't. Even see, I've never even seen Superman. I've seen scenes from him and stuff. Oh, okay. But I was like, I mean, I think I saw part of uh, Superman four on TV once. Mm. But uh, I just never thought of her as being like a looker, you know, like a or mm-hmm. like a typical like a sex symbol or anything like that. Maybe she, maybe she was at some point, but. But yeah, when I, I remember watching this movie and just thinking like, God, God, she's really good looking. Like, I can't believe I never know, okay. realized how good looking Margaret Kidder is. And I was looking at pictures of her in Superman. I was like, she's good looking in Superman too. I don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah. She has, she looks like um, she looks like that girl from uh, I can't remember her name uh, from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, uh, Karen, Karen something. Karen. Black. 
No, oh. not Karen Black. Is that her is name? It, or is it Karen Allen? Karen Allen. Karen Black's not. Uh, she's the one with all the plastic surgery. No? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm like yeah. busy looking this up. Well, yeah, like Raiders and a yeah, Karen, not, not Karen Black. Karen Black is an easy writer. Uh, Karen Allen right. is, yeah, I think it's Karen Allen. Okay, yeah. Um, yes, Karen Allen. She, she looks like Karen Allen, and I always had a big thing for Karen Allen. Okay. Um, so. That's what I. That's what. Anyways, go ahead. Black right, Christmas. Right, right. I I like Black Christmas a lot. Yeah. Go ahead. And like, well, like one the thing that I was like, uh, John Saxon, the guy who plays the lieutenant, like mm-hmm. he's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, and makes me want to watch uh, Enter the Dragon again. Because <laughs> uh, he uh, actually, I think, yeah, uh, Saxon just passed. Yeah, so, recently. Yeah. Yeah. So n- now, like that that trio that go to that goes to the island and. Uh, Enter the Dragon, like, they're all gone now. Uh, okay, yeah, so Black Christmas, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And I, like somebody had returned uh, the Blu-ray of Seven, so I was like, okay, I gotta see this. Like, um, And I don't, I don't know, like, it just didn't, it didn't connect with me the way it did, like, the first, I guess, couple of times that I watched it. Like, personally, I think it's probably Morgan Freeman's best performance in in my view, because um, like he, like he's. That's a, I, 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 I feel I, like he's so good at like the embittered detective. Um, it feels like a controversial thing to say, but I, I I'm inclined to agree with you. Like I don't know, mm. the rest of his stuff's so saccharine. Like everything's so yeah yeah. I mean, like I like his performance in Shawshank a lot. Yeah, but I mean things that he's actually you know that like the like Driving Miss Daisy or. Um, Mm. Uh, million dollar baby. The things that he's actually won awards for, I'm not super impressed with. Yeah. What, what about uh, Unforgiven? Uh, like I like him, Unforgiven. I, I don't. I need to rewatch it. I haven't. Okay, it's yeah. been so long since I've seen it. Right. I remember Clint Eastwood being really good, and like <laughs> yeah. and Gene Hackman being amazing. Right. Right. Even like Richard Harris. I, yeah. I don't. For some reason, I don't recall Morgan Freeman's performance too much from that. Oh, okay. But but yeah. Um. I don't know, like, Seven is, like, super creepy, and it's, you know, well done because it's Fincher, and he knows he knows how to put things on screen well. Oh, yeah. But, like, I, I, I think, like, for me, a big part of it is, like, so, yeah, like, uh, you've got, like, the concept of, like, the seven deadly sins, and et cetera, et cetera, and, like, I know that, like, it's it's unusual to have, spoiler alert, um, it's unusual to have the bad guy in a situation win because that's what Kevin Spacey does. Um, but I just thought it was like, I don't know, like it was an extra like, not offense, maybe that's not the right word, but like the fact that he's so like, so pompous and pretentious about what he's doing and like you know the scope of what he's doing and blah 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 and like and he still wins it's like mm, it just doesn't sit yeah, right it's with like me. a little bit of a sting yeah. i mean i i like i like that i mean speaking of his um his arrogance mm. i i like the that scene when they're driving to where they're going and oh yeah i love the idea that you, the, just the writing there is smart because they put, you know, they, they give perspective on what he's doing. Like, he's got a certain perspective, and then Brad Pitt's got, like, the totally opposite perspective. 
and Morgan Freeman's almost like a moderator, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I I found that I find that really interesting, like him talking about how important it is and interesting and Mm. Brad Pitt saying it's, you know, you're going to be forgotten in a week. Nobody gives a shit about this. Yeah. And I think, too, like the fact that like, yeah, like the fact that he's like so sanctimonious is that mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, sure. yeah. you know ho- so holier than thou of course it's like especially now it's like i especially don't want him to win like at this point it has very little to do with him being the bad guy yeah. in the movie it's like no like this religious bullshit that he's bringing in oh, right, like yeah. no 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 i do think that's misplaced like the idea that he's religious is weird because he doesn't mm. talk about being religious like, you know what I mean? It's not as if he's, like, you feel like a real-life serial killer who's got mental issues, who's killing people because he believes God's telling him to do it or because mm. he believes it's some kind of religious mission. Like, he would he would say that, you know? He'd right, be like, God right. told me to do this, and it's Jesus or whatever, you know? And he never really talks about that. And in his apartment, <laughs> he's got that goofy, that neon cross, you know? I'm yeah, just like, yeah. nobody, like, who would actually have that? Like, if you, yeah. if you're actually religious, that, that kind of, that kind of item almost seems like a sacrilege, you know? You would have a normal cross, probably, and, you know, yeah, be, yeah. like, I don't know. It just seems really weird. Yeah. It just feels very movie-ish, you know? Yeah. And, like, the funny thing, too, about, like, the apartment, I guess it's because, you know, like, it, you know, obviously looks like super, oh, obviously a yeah, serial killer. the serial killer killer's here. apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah. the, you know, the detail of they go into about him, I mean, well, I think I answered my own question. Like, they go into such detail about how organized and efficient and, um, you know, educated. Methodical. That he, yeah. Methodical and educated he is. I feel like he probably put, like, he probably had that apartment. Like, it's probably not really where he lives. It's probably where he works. Like, that's his office. Hmm. Thinking about it now, Maybe. because like he does, he is coming home with groceries. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if if he's like carrying out the stuff as he's going, like he might need to. I mean, there's a lot of problems. I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I you can, there's a lot of things you could nitpick about seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I. I I think he kind of, it's not, it's obviously not taking place in any sort of a reality. Like it's a, it's a fantastical situation. Like nothing like that happens. And, uh, Mm. you know, the idea that I think that Fincher treats it like that Fincher, you know, the way that he famously, you know, it's not taking place in the actual city, you know, and uh, that kind of thing. And I think that's a smart decision to make it kind of outside of our reality, you know? Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. But he's. Um, it, I was early reviews of Mank are coming in, and they're saying that uh, I, one of them said he's he's a technical genius, like he's like it's the best made movie they've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, wow. so I can you know, and I and I believe it. You know, Fincher is definitely a yeah, technical yeah. master, technically. Yeah, you know, for sure. For movies sure. might lack soul, but they certainly are good looking. You know, and they're well made, definitely for the most part. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, uh, like because because I watched Memories and was like, hey, that was a five. Like, I've decided like, okay, I need to watch something that I know that I'm gonna enjoy. So I rewatched Seventh Seal, mm. and again, like five five out of five because like, man, there there is a there's a lot like the movie is you know already dealing with some like pretty dark themes. But like there was some, there was a line in there that I, I guess I had forgotten that was like so dark. Yeah, 
and it was like really like kind of kind of upsetting uh so uh Gunnar Bjornstrand like he like he he sees the dude who convinced them to go to the crusades in the first place and you know if I see you again I'll cut you up um and like he like gets a kiss from uh the girl and then he says you know I could have I could have raped you, but I'm growing, but I'm getting tired of that kind of love. It always ends up pretty dry. Yeah. I was like, whoa. That's gross. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, you know, that, the, mm. I've only seen Seven Seal once, and it was, uh, it might have been the first Bergman I ever watched, and I did mm. not love it. And I remember thinking it was, I remember expecting it to be really dark, and it, I remember being comedic, like overly comedic. Yeah. And, and it, that that kind of throwing me for a loop and not, me not enjoying it for that reason. And I need to rewatch it. I act, I own it. I just haven't uh, gotten yeah. around to watching it again. But I like, you know, it's my the the Bergman I've liked the least. But I I feel like I would. Mm. That can't be right, you know. I mean, he's. <laughs> I mean, it's got pretty universal acclaim. I mean, yeah. I well, I remember like watching an interview with uh, Peter Cowie, the guy they always interview for like every Criterion yeah. release of Bergman that comes out, and he was saying that how like people in Sweden were like not super crazy about the movie because of like how the dialogue is delivered and they were like well you just read the subtitles because you don't you know you don't speak swedish and like they like it's very like the dialogue is ver- delivered like very rhetorically like you know we are in a play we are on stage and this is how we talk on stage especially max von Sydow. um but i think like death and uh um Jan's his squire like he's very like very natural but again it's like it does feel like very written like yeah. especially the the back and forth between him and the and the smith yeah I'll also check it out again mm. at some point yeah so much shit to watch dude you know I get know. overwhelmed yeah. all right well let's move on to uh our deep dive which is JR's pick Time of the Wolf, directed by Michael Haneke. JR, why the Time of the Wolf? Why now? Um, you know, I, I pretty recently, or in the past few months, uh, rewatched uh, Cachet, Michael Haneke's uh, next movie from 2005, and I thought it was uh, something pretty close to a masterpiece. Um. This is a director I have liked for a long time, but don't uh, typically feel a strong desire to rewatch his movies because they're so bleak and dark. Mm. Uh, but rewatching Cachet, I just I noticed so much more. I got a lot more out of it, and you know, part of that's just the last time I watched it was in college, uh, pretty soon after it was released. And um, last time I watched this movie was college, and I remember thinking that it was very interesting. And uh, and wanted to, you know, we're doing a dystopian unit in, in class right now, so I kind of wanted to get back into this uh, post-apocalypse and see showing what's your going showing on. your kids time of the wolf. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they are reading Fahrenheit 451. Oh, that's not that's good. Yeah. But yeah, um, so that's that's where I was at, and uh, of course, yeah, I picked the one 
of these movies that isn't streaming for right. free anywhere unless Thanks. you have like the <laughs> movie prime channel um so i signed up for a it's ridiculous like i have fucking prime like movie i pay for movie right why don't i have the prime channel uh, but anyway As, i don't understand why the films that they have would be different mm. on the movie prime channel than what the movie has in its library i don't either i don't know but uh well you think this is like what like if you have the movie app like you can't see like the movie library was that what it did no you can't was? search the library you okay can so see maybe it, you can search, search the library on this maybe <laughs> I don't know, I don't even, and is this in the library i don't even know I don't. Yeah, it's, you would never know because you'd have to scour the library for two hours to find it. Right. Uh, I don't fucking know. But anyway, uh, yeah. So this is a. Uh, I, I guess like the way this movie is set up, it looks initially like it's going to be uh, more plot forward than some of. Henneke's other movies. Um, you know, we get a family of four driving through what I assume is the French countryside, though we're never given a name of a country, uh, and they pull up at their, you know, woodland cottage and unpack their stuff, and a family is in there already, and there's an argument, and the father of this family is shot and killed, and the people who have taken over their home send Isabel Huber how do you say her name? Huppert? I've always been off about it. Huppert? Yeah. Okay. Isabelle Huppert? Okay. <laughs> so they send her, uh, who I will from henceforth call Anne, and uh, and her two children, a, um, like a, a teenage girl, Ava, and a, maybe like a, a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy named Benny, uh, call back to, to the video. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, off kind of on their own and uh yeah we have this post-apocalyptic landscape where something has gone wrong resources are dwindling and scarce and uh yeah they're kind of just like fending for themselves in the dark looking for food and a place to stay what did you guys think because i as i was watching this i was like i have no fucking clue uh what they're gonna like or dislike about this <laughs> <laughs> well i'll be honest i uh my notes are i understand some of them about three or four of them are very confusing to me because it's been about a week and a half <laughs> since i watched this thing because uh, i watched this uh whenever that was the week before last when we thought uh we were going to record on that friday mm. um so i'm gonna have some questions about plot issues maybe but um towards the end but uh i'd say overall i i liked it it's my least favorite of the hanake films i've seen so far um and it's because it's dealing with a subject that feels very like well worn and uh that maybe that's not fair because of the time this came out maybe it wasn't as well worn as it is now but it feels like a lot of other post-apocalyptic survival films that I've seen that just kind of, uh, by the nature, by virtue of what they are, they go nowhere because there's nowhere to go because it's, you know, it's the end of humanity. Like, what could happen? Nothing can happen. So literally nothing does. And um, it's not 
engaging enough. Like there aren't enough, there are issues that the characters face, uh, along the way. Like, Oh, you know, uh, like the, 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 the boy that the daughter meets who's steals the watch or whatever it is. Or the, does he steal a watch? I don't remember what he steals. He steals mm-hmm. something or glasses from the guy. Oh yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, glasses. yeah. And, uh, all that stuff like that's interesting, but it's sort of like, I, w- I don't know. I, I mean, it's just like one of the situations where you're watching a movie and you wish it would go a certain direction and it doesn't and it goes the opposite direction and it's just frustrating, you know? Like, I, I, I kind of just wanted the kid to relax and come join them. Like, yeah. and, and, then I, and then I was like, when they met this group of uh, people waiting for this train, I was like, I, I, I was thinking this is, okay, I was like, okay, this is just the next sort of vignette in Isabelle Hubert and her family's travels, but that's actually like, you know, I mean, that's whatever half an hour into the movie, and that's where we are. That this is the movie now. This is where they're at. They're at this station waiting for this train, and uh, you know, s- seeing how the this kind of uh, broken down, simplified economy is working now, where people are having to trade random items for water and shit like that. And I mean, I, all that's interesting. I would have liked more of that. I would have liked you know more minutia about kind of how life is at this point. And there's just it doesn't seem to be any. Like, and I mean, I get it. Like, I understand why there's no kind of endpoint or plan or anything like that on the characters' parts, and beyond the fact that you know they're waiting for this train, which may or may not come. The only thing I want to push back right there is like, if we had spent more time, I would feel the same as you do. But they make it clear near the end of the movie that it's only been a few days since the movie started. Mm, yeah, and, and it's only been a week. Like when they get to this warehouse community, mm-hmm. every the Bea woman is like, "I got here about a week ago," and everyone else got here around the same time. Like this community has only been alive in existence for for like ten days when the movie ends. That's fair. I'm not. Yeah, I don't have any issue with that. I mean, mm. my my issue isn't the fact that they're that we're not covering that much time or that there's not that much. Uh, uh, time in the movie. I mean that. that yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good argument for why nothing happens because you know, or the very little happens because there's not much time being covered. But that. I mean, I guess my argument is that my not my argument. My issue is that I wish there was more time covered. I wish we could see more. I will. I would like to see where they go from there. Like I want to see. I don't know more of what happened. And it's just again, it's just. It, I was reminded of things like um, uh, it comes at night, the road. Uh, I don't know, just these other kind of, you know, movies that are, that are working in the same blindness. Uh, I thought of blindness a lot actually, because blindness is, in my opinion, would be the counterpoint to this movie. Blindness, blindness is a post-apocalyptic film that, uh, gets into the kind of bleak depression of, you know, non of the, uh, that, uh, the existential dread of what are we going to do? Like our lives are over, like this is our hell now. And, but then they get out of it, you know, <laughs> like they escape it and whether you, you know, approve of a that kind of happy ending or not is another issue but like this is this kind of like it it goes it builds it doesn't i mean to say that it builds i think would be incorrect it 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 progresses to the point where we've got this final scene where they're the um i mean i i i'm i'm think it's the final scene well, the final scene is like the train ride, right? They're yeah, looking yeah. at the train or whatever, but you don't see anything. You just see the landscape. 
Yeah, you um, see the landscape moving and you hear the train. Right. right. So you yeah. assume they're they're on the train, I guess. But um, I, well, I didn't. I, I yeah. You didn't. I, I, I don't I mean. What is that then? I mean, I don't, well, we can talk about that. But I was yeah. saying, I was to say that it progresses to the point where this kid is going to self-immolate. He's going to commit suicide by jumping into a fire. Mm. And at that point, I was like, I don't want to, like, in my mind, here's what I was thinking, okay? I was like, if this kid jumps into this fire, I'm over it. Like, this is, I might give this movie zero stars. Like, I'm, I'd am i be so pissed. I'd be like, I don't want to see that. I don't understand why that kid would do that. None of that makes sense. It just feel it would feel like absolute, like, emo teenager time like let's have this kid do that's the most horrible shit we can think of and let's have it happen like serbian film you know what i mean (laughs) or or like you know some somebody's watched solo and natural born killers way too many times uh (laughs) and and he doesn't do it and i like that i like that the guy comes and kind of pulls him away and rescues him and i I, and i like that's a it's and it's a really it's kind of a beautiful scene in that way and uh it looks really nice and everything but it's just like that that scene is not I don't understand what that is. You know, I don't understand what the met, like, is there a message there? Is it like, there's a positive, you know, ending of, you know, like humanity is beautiful and there's this guy helping this kid or something, or like even in the, in the darkest, you know, despairing night. And I, but I'm just like, I don't know what, like if is, is, if that's the message muddled and if it's not the message, I don't know what the message is. And if there is no message, then I don't, I don't know exactly why I'm watching this movie. Like, cause I, it's just kind of like a, um, I don't know. Like I say, it's just kind of like a meandering, goes nowhere kind of thing for me. But I, and that's not. To, I mean, I know I'm saying nothing but negative shit right now. I I did overall. I enjoyed it. Like I found it a very well made movie and uh, engaging enough. Just not you know. Just didn't like blow me away. It certainly wasn't my favorite. Mm. There's, yeah. I mean, I read everything about the ending. Uh, in a totally different way. We we can save all that stuff if okay. uh, we want to hear Kevin's thoughts first. Well, a lot of my thoughts are pretty much the same as uh, John's because, like, yeah, like I was thinking, like, okay, this is going to be like the road only with more people, sure, um, and no uh, uh, cannibalism. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe can cannibalism. Do they eat people in this movie? I don't think they do. Do they? Well. No, they they don't. But I thought it, I thought it was definitely possible because like they do murder a horse in one scene. Yeah, and like what appears like, to be an actual it. an actual horse that was, murder. That was real. Yeah. That was. That's just a bummer to watch. Yeah, like I don't know if I don't know if you guys you know experience this uh, the same way. I mean, you probably do. Like because because i had seen funny games and code unknown and like those two are like very like anxiety driven very bleak movies mm. like when i started this i was like okay you know it's hanake i can't expect anything like really like good to happen so like when the husband got killed in like the first scene i was like okay well happened a little quicker than i thought but it's it's hanake so sure. i yeah um, but then, you know, like, th- things start to get darker and darker, and, like, um, yeah, and then when they, when they get, when they get to the, the trains, the train station, yeah, a- again, like, same as John, I was like, I mean, well, like, we've, we've, like, if the, if the point is that, you know, humanity is terrible, even in the face of, like, you know, dire things, like, they won't come together, it's like, well, yeah, like we've seen The Walking Dead, we've seen you know any you well, know, any number of zombie again, though, movies. To be or, fair, that ha- you hadn't seen The Walking Dead. 
when well, this movie came out. So like, well, I don't, well, no, but like, I agree. That's that's an unfair criticism. I agree. Or, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And those yeah. are unfair criticisms uh, from that standpoint. But from you know from a sub- completely subjective standpoint of like yeah, me yeah. and Kevin haven't seen any this mm. film until now, and we've seen all this other stuff. So it might be it's an unfair criticism maybe, but it's like it's still there. Yeah, and uh, it's not the film's fault necessarily, but uh, but right. uh, you know that's not the only issue I have either. Yeah, and like, yeah, because I I thought it was kind of like like when the shack that they're in that they're staying in like burns down. It's like, what did you expect? You were liter- you were you were burning hay <laughs> in a wooden shack. So I get, you know, like you're from Maybe. the, I get like you're from the city and whatever, yeah. like you may not, they may dumb. not necessarily know, but like, <laughs> but yeah. I and, liked uh, all that though. I thought that like, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about it. This, uh, just, uh, cinematically, like I like the idea that it's pitch black and they have to burn hay to see and that mm. the audience can't see shit either. And they have to burn yeah, that hay for yeah. the audience to see any, like I liked all that. And I liked when the bird got loose in the, uh, in the barn. And all that. Stuff. I mean, I, I don't know. There, like, there are things you know. Again, like, there are things I enjoyed about it. It's just overall, it just didn't add up yeah. too much, in my opinion. Yeah, and like, yeah, there were definitely like very like interesting situations. Like, especially when um, like they're at the train station, and all of a sudden, the couple who is responsible for the husband's death shows up, and you know, like, we yeah, don't, you know, we good. don't, we don't want them here, like. Like, do you have any proof that your husband's dead? Like, my husband's dead, and like, you know, I thought that was interesting. Why can't you just take my word that they killed my husband? Yeah, see, and I was like that. I was when those people showed up. I totally forgot about that. I thought you just mentioned that (laughs) when that when those people showed up, I was like, okay, now we're now we're getting somewhere. Like, this is an interesting conflict to introduce into the situation. Mm. But again, it kind of just like peters out and goes nowhere. (laughs) Like, I I want, I don't know, like. because you the, don't want it to go any like you know to just become like a revenge drama or something, but I mean like yeah. I wanted something to resolve from it. Like I didn't want it to be just yeah. like oh well, like you're fucked. You can't prove yeah. anything, so it's over. Yeah, this, this movie has no interest in narrative resolution in any right, right, right. Sense. Yeah, except for like the the dude who like um like recognizes the Polish guy from his village and like they get into a fist fight, but. Yeah, I mean, even like that doesn't really get resolved. Like he like, is he the could, guy he... that uh, saves Benny. Oh, oh is right. he? See, I didn't even realize. So that. Oh, okay. you could read that as like a if you if you were going to read this as like a humanity's going to be okay thing. It's like all right, mm. so, so even our kind of asshole brute will like recognize something that should be saved. What? Blah, blah blah blah. I yeah. Again, I don't. Really with that reading of this but yeah and like again like because it's Haneke I don't know if I can take like anything positive I I don't know that I can take it for for its word because um you know like like the the last the last you know like the guy the guy saves the kid and then you have the last shot where like you see the countryside going by and you hear the train I don't know that that train is going to stop at that station I don't know if they're, See, I don't I don't know if how they're do you, on it or... But, like, how do you read it any other way than they're on that train? Like, what what would be the point of that shot if they're not on that train? Because uh, it could be a train that is going somewhere else. Yeah, but, like, what? why would we be seeing that as the audience of this film who spent the entire film with Isabelle Huppert? with no humans? Yeah, but the countryside yeah. wouldn't have humans well, on it anyways. It's, well, like, it's the well, countryside. Like, Well, also, like, you know, 
well, they're fucked because this train is not for them. I guess I don't. I mean, I don't know. It just feels like it, it feels be. like obvious that they're. It feels obvious to me, anyways, that they are. That's that's meant to say the train. They pick the like if, if, if the camera is following a character the entire film, and now the camera is on a train. Then you can assume the character is on the train as well. That's what I, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not saying that's for sure. I'm not saying like if Hanukkah came out and said that's not the case, and they died and nothing happened good for the like that's fine. I accept that. Right, but right. It's just like the way I read it at the end there. It's like they have to be on that train. Like there's it wouldn't make yeah. any sense to have that shot there if they weren't. I think it's good to have like an ambiguous. I, I'm fine with that. I'm fine yeah, with yeah. it being ambiguous. Like yeah. you don't need to see them on the train. But yeah. I, I like the idea that I mean I don't know. It's, yeah, I guess if, I, if I, you're looking at it subjectively and you're and the audience is making up its own mind, then mm. that's where I make up my mind. And you guys think differently. That's fine, you know. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I uh, I have I have a couple of notes that I don't understand because it's been so long since I watched this. But I wrote uh, what's on his lips. Anybody? Oh yeah, like the black stuff around the kid's lips. Like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> what is on his lips? Is he just I dirty? I don't know. <laughs> and like in the le- in the in the second to last scene when the kid is just gushing blood from his nose, did I like blink and miss something? Because I have no idea why his nose was bloodied. Did he? Uh, I don't remember either. We don't. I mean, they don't say why it's bloody. He like he just gets a nosebleed. Okay. Oh. Like while he's laying down and okay but he's the, like the gushing blood from like both nostrils and what i got from that was like um uh, at that point benny benny has not been a character since that bird died yeah much. like he's just kind of there in some scenes and uh you know like he's with his mom uh his mom has like or, you know they've like witnessed the rape in the night and she like tries to shield him from that. And, uh, he's just like been sitting there silent, listening and fearful and tense. And I think the idea, um, it, in that scene, cause that's right before he, he runs out and takes off his clothes to jump in the fire. I think like all of his anxieties and fears have come to a head. And I mean, he's about to jump in the fire. You, you didn't mention this because like, the, the old guy like told the story of um, like sacrificing oneself to like solve a problem. Mm. Like, oh God, yeah, to, like, I sacrifice mi- himself in the fire because I missed all that nonsense story that the old man told. <laughs> I must have totally uh, missed that, man. I, I did not put that together at all. Oh, it, it wasn't. Mm. Okay, but the guy who says um. Even like he even like mentions like what old story what, what stories have you been listening to from that old man? You can't believe everything you hear. Oh right, right. Um, yeah. But so I so I assume that's why it, he's bloodied or why he's having the nosebleed. But mm. that's uh, you know, that's conjecture. Okay, and also uh, so I know that um, I have a note who died. And then I wrote, was it the rape victim? Did she suicide? Is that what happened? I don't know. Somebody dies, and I was confused. So, I did, Wait, didn't the didn't the the kid who was sick die? And like, like there's that static shot where like you see like the three or the three orange lights, and then it resolves into flames. Shit, I don't remember that at all. No. Uh, <laughs> so a woman. It was a woman who died, and I'm not sure if she was the rape victim. It was Azule's wife. Uh, oh, Azule is the guy who has been in the other 
Haneke movies, like uh, Coda Known, and he's a big part of Cachet, Maurice Benishu. Mm. Uh, the only so embarrassing. I only know which character died because you see her um, like they're dressing her, so you yeah. see her naked. Yeah, and I was like, I can't oh, figure yeah, out who died, yeah. so I'm going to go to Mister Skin to uh. see which character this <laughs> is. Um, and it's that's smart though. That's a smart way to figure yeah. it out. It's, uh, Natalie Azule. That's good detective ah. work. Yeah, but I I missed. I did miss, like, who the rape victim actually was. That's insane that Mr. Skin has Time of the Wolf on its website. Well, you know, there were there were boobies there. Yeah, Even that's if they were dead, dead person's boobies. boobies. Yeah. <laughs> that's bizarre. But any other any other notes? I ha- I'm out of notes. I mean, I you know, I I had those I, two. Those I said I liked the ending. I mean, I. I did like the way it, that uh, that it ended. I just didn't, you know. I mean, there's nothing. I, I like you said, he's not interested in resolving anything, and that's fine. I just, uh, I don't know, man. I would have liked something it, more, maybe. Yeah, and that's, that's fair. and and I, I, I agree with that. I think in the sense that, like this, I think this is a good movie, and I still really like it. But um, it's never going to be something that I'm like super emotionally attached to. I think a lot of the things he does in this, like with the community are interesting. And I think a lot of the style is interesting. Like um, the total lack of score to help me Mm -hmm. figure out how I should feel. Uh, There's just, you know, there's not many movies that don't have music. I'm always Um, a fan of no score. Always. Yeah. And, you know, like at times the use of, lighting or lack thereof is is dogma like yes mm. uh especially of course in the in the scene we already mentioned with the uh the fire that was really cool um but just like a lot of the scenes that are shot in the dark i thought looked uh really good it's a good looking movie i mean it's shot really really well it's yeah you know beautiful but uh, the movie this most reminded me of was a uh, a british post-apocalyptic movie called threads yeah, threads. Is oh, on yeah, that. that's yeah. on Prime too. Yeah, I might have talked about that several months ago. Yeah, but uh, you know, that's like presented as a documentary, mm. which you know, whatever. But the, the point of the documentary is like it's it is not um, aggrandizing anything. It is not exaggerating anything. And this felt very much to me like uh, Haneke was trying to do like post-apocalyptic thing with no like melodrama and no crazy stuff just like giving you minutia shot of what could happen (laughs) yeah you know and it's you know and like the closest thing we have to you know real drama is like kosolovsky and his uh the way he runs the commune like Mm. you know you can pay kosolovsky in other ways obviously with sexual favors and his his whole thing is he's awful. He's a yeah. man, of course, but <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, and that, that guy who like uh when um the guy give the guy gives him his watch. It's like, you know like why didn't you why didn't you give it to us uh beforehand and save us all these trouble? Why didn't you think about these people? And then he just rides off. Like, wow. Yeah, those people with the guys who had the water were total assholes. 
for real. Yeah. I think, you know, no one's yeah, no one's nice right now. Um, yeah. But you know, and there's like Beatrice Dolly uh, and her husband, the way they were talking to each other in that scene where she's yelling at. Oh, Rusty, yeah. and it ends with like, "I'll kill you one day," and she's like, "Soon, I hope." It's <laughs> just pretty stark. But uh, sorry. And last thing, I want to get to my favorite part of this movie was actually the horse murder. No, like oh. the, it was the teenage emo bullshit. Um, oh, <laughs> I really liked Ava, and I really liked the way she nonsensically put her like faith, misguidedly faith in this, you know, wild kid for no reason. Like he, this kid gives her no cause to think he will stay and help her. Mm. He he's an asshole to her. His mission is to, yeah. He, he's just like he was threatening like, to threatening to hurt her brother when they first meet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's come back. And he's just like, I'm gonna pick off, you know, what I can from this community while they're around, and mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, but she just hates being with her mother so much, and she sees like an out both from her crumbling family and this awful community in him, and it makes no sense. Mm. But uh, she's like, I need to make this work or else my life is over. And uh, I don't know. I don't want to say like I connected with that as though like I can relate. But <laughs> it's I, I did. I did think that worked. Okay. Nice. And that's it. Those are all my thoughts. Well, uh, you know, ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going three. I'm going three as well. I'm. And I'm I'm a four. I'm a lighter four. And this is a, uh, mm. you know, don't don't let this turn you off of Hanneke. I mm. again I I loved Cachet when I rewatched it, and I would expect that when I rewatch some more of his stuff, it will move ahead of Time of the Wolf. But um, yeah, this... I really want to go back and rewatch Code Unknown and uh, mm. the Piano Teacher and some other things. Yeah, this definitely didn't turn me off of him at all. I mean, like I, you know, I, this was the last of those three films that I watched of his, and uh, you know, overall, if you enjoy it, you know, and I think he's a good director. I, I want to mm. see more of his work. I want to see the progression of more of his, you know, like watching from the earliest stuff into what he's doing now. Mm. But uh, you guys want to do a quick round of uh, of the game, real quick? Sure. Are we going to use Time of the Wolf? Yeah, I'll use Time of the Wolf, and then I'm going to, I'm going to do a... I have a dice uh, app on my phone. Oh. Okay. This can, go, this can go a lot of ways. There are also some actors in this that have only been in one movie, so let's see. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, time, do you want to use a different film? I don't know. No, no, no. Let's, okay, let's do it. All right, I'm going to roll the dice. Here we go. <laughs> it's a it's a one, so it's, it would be Isabelle Huppert. Right. <laughs> so I have think... We, we have not explained the rules. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, 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 okay. So, what we're doing here is we're um, we're picking the film. I guess we use the deep dive. Uh, that seems like the makes the most sense. We go to the letterbox page of the film. That's the deep dive in this situation. Time of the Wolf, two thousand three. Michael Haneke, and uh, we look at the cast and crew list, and we roll a dice and or a die. And whatever the number is, we pick that. We count that number of cast and crew member. And in this situation, it's one, and the first build is obviously Isabelle Huppert. So we're each going to click on Isabelle Huppert, and whoever has the highest uh, percentage of films watched by that actress will win this uh, this thing. And I are, I know exactly who is going to win. 
<laughs> the, the lower the roll, the more in favor it is for me. Yeah. <laughs> in in this in this situation, mm. I suppose you're definitely going to win this. Though I mean, you've got to. Like I haven't seen. I've seen you know maybe five movies she's been in. <laughs> I've seen actually. I'm sorry. I've seen four movies she's been in. So. Oh wow! Jesus Christ, guys! Like, have you not seen I Heart Huckabees? What's going on? Yeah, I have seen. <laughs> I have seen I Heart Huckabees four times in the theater. It's <laughs> the first movie I ever saw with her. I've only seen two of her movies. <laughs> movies jesus fuck. 26 26 <laughs> wow what a bad way to start this game <laughs> yeah i i've seen this one and heaven's gate i've seen heaven's gate i've well, seen l i've seen iron huckabees i've seen oh that's it yeah iron heaven's gate iron huckabees l in this movie so that's it you mm. guys obviously you need to watch the Haneke movies she's in, which are the first two, Amor and the Piano Teacher, right? And you need to watch the uh, she's in some uh, Claire Denis movies. Like she's in a Godard film. I didn't realize you guys that. Have seen White Material by now? Come on! I didn't know she was in Every Man for Himself. I'll watch that. Uh, in Another Country is like one of the best Korean movies of this century. She's in and, Dead Man uh, Down. Yeah. And in. She's fucking, uh, she's an amateur, which is just a wonderful Hal Hartley movie. Like, get, get mm. with it, guys. Just get with it. She's in a documentary about Michael Haneke called Michael H. All right. Well, so, what are you going to do? You won. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it up. I, I won this one. We'll, we'll try again next time. Yeah, we'll try again next time. <laughs> <laughs> we really got to figure out some kind of uh, prize or consequence to winning. But anyways... Um, next next uh, episode is going to be Kevin's pick. Mm. Kevin, lay it on us. What do you got? We're going to watch Maverick. Maverick. All right. <laughs> you know, you changed that since this episode has started, right? You were not thinking Maverick when this episode started. The reason I chose Maverick was because Jr. hadn't watched it. I decided right then. During this episode, yeah, I was just gonna. think. What was it gonna be? Oh, you were just gonna think of the way I see. I hadn't figured out. Maverick's good. Okay, so Maverick. Yeah, I mean. Richard Donner, William Goldman, James Garner, Mel Gibson, Jody, Jody Foster. Foster. Yeah. Like you got to come on, you've got to, and it's a western. Yeah, we love westerns here on film. Is that ninety three or ninety four? Something like that. Early, um, early so 90s. yeah, we're gonna watch Maverick from the early nineties, directed by Richard Donner, starring Mel Gibson. For the next episode, uh, until then, visit our website at filmyak.podient.co. Uh, write to us if you want. At uh, filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, you know, rate us and subscribe and all that stuff that people say on podcasts. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye bye. Oh.